0: I'm very happy to have Andy Zeisler in the studio with me today. She is so many things. Even since uh, we've been talking on our way to the studio, I found out we even have more in common than we thought, like being dog lovers or textile freaks. But the reason she is in the studio today is that she is the co-founder and editorial director of Bitch, which is a magazine that has a subtitle, The Feminist Response to Popular Culture. Hello, Andy.
1: Hello, and thank you for having me. (laughs) Of course. great to be here.
0: You know, I became obsessed with getting you on this show after you published an editorial in the San Francisco Chronicle that was called The Proliferation of Porn. And I realized that you were voicing something I felt inside but I'd never seen in print before, that is, you were obviously a strong advocate for sexual freedom and experimentation and, you know, people getting their mojo out there in as creative a way as possible. And yet you looked around you at what you called porn sprawl and had this kind of, what? (laughs) Sort of moment like, was this what it all added up to? I'm so disappointed. I don't know what was going on in your mind, but I know... On my end, I had spent so many years just trying to sort of drag porn out of the closet, and especially with women, to say, hey, you know, you can watch this. It's not going to bite you. You might even find some idiosyncratic things here and there that you really like. You might want to make something of your own, you know, coaxing, coaxing, coaxing. And then all of a sudden, porn went so mainstream. Why did you get to a point where you wanted to write that story? Well, I don't know if there was
1: one specific incident or cultural product that made me notice it. But I certainly had become much more aware of the consumerist aspect of porn and how um, the language of porn
0: was being used to sell things. You talked about... Um In the beginning of the article, you say something like, you remember the first porn tape. You and your friends kind of wormed your way into some Mm -hmm. (laughs) low-down, dirty old man kind of store, um, made off with it, brought it back. You know, I just could sort of see your cheeks flushed with shame. Mm -hmm.
1: It it was very exciting, and it was also weird even then to be like, is that all there is? Mm -hmm. You know, like this was a very, very softcore tape there was nothing that really um, suggested penetration, for instance. It was really more like if you were looking at a Playboy spread come to life. Boobies galore. Exactly, sort of like soft focus. You know, it took place in the tropics, women running on the beach, the boobs bouncing in (laughs) slow motion. (laughs) So, you know, I think later were probably much more intense experiences when, you know, like, say my brother and I found our father's stash. That was much more like... Well, also it makes you contemplate your family. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, it's much heavier in every way. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, that first experience was was actually kind of quaint in retrospect, especially when you consider what's on HBO now would really put that... Girls in the Tropics tape, that would just sort of make it look like... A suntan ad. Yeah, exactly, like an episode of, I don't know, Melrose Place. Like, (laughs) it really, it wasn't, (laughs) it was
0: not a naughty tape in retrospect. Well, speaking of naughtiness, uh, you know, some people say, well, the thing they don't like about the mainstream aspects of porn is that the delicious, naughty, prurient part of it is gone, and what's there to get excited about without a taboo? How do you turn on? And you didn't say that in your piece. I don't really know what you think about that. When I hear that, the you know, frisson of naughtiness, mm-hmm. I think, well, believe me, you can still get that going all by yourself. You don't need an institution to handle that aspect for you. I think that's but true. But I also felt like, look, being in the closet with it really was not all that fun especially for the people who were creatively making all this sex stuff, it wasn't any fun being in the closet. And actually, even if you enjoyed some of it, it was very difficult to have people think you were sick, I mean, or criminal, you know, pathological or criminal. So I'm kind of happier in a certain sense to say... It's fine with me that people joke about it in public. It's fine with me that I'm watching Jon Stewart on The Daily Show, and he he circles his nipples with his Mm. hands like a porn (laughs) star whenever he wants to indicate how George Bush is getting off on something. I mean, I'm laughing, too. That's a good example to me of, like, I enjoy being able to have a joke about the silliness of porn as a commodity, as a popular item. I mean, do you have a, a nostalgia for, oh, the old forbidden past when we were looking at it under the covers.
1: No, because I was always looking at it under the covers. It's not like, you know, when you're in 7th grade, you're walking to school waving around your copy of Penthouse. I mean, you know, the age when I sort of started realizing that porn was was sort of an interesting thing to me. It wasn't like <laughs> it wasn't like it was something you could really be public about.